0: Well, I just have a few fo- a few thoughts I want to share with you that I believe God gave me uh, for tonight. This isn't uh, a long message like we have on Sunday mornings, and sometimes longer than others. But uh, just some things that I believe. God um, wants to say. You know, we're only a couple weeks past Easter, post-Easter, and I'm still reflecting. I don't know about you, but I'm still reflecting. Every year as Easter gets close, I really try to center my readings. That's pro- that's probably when I fall off of the Bible reading plan the hardest is right at Easter time because I just feel this need to kind of stay in the gospel, stay centered on the on the week uh, leading up to Easter and the, the week of preparation and crucifixion and all of that. And this year in particular, I was just kind of struck by something that hasn't always hit me. And I was, I was really struck by this sense of, of panic among, among the disciples. And I felt like God gave me some words about that tonight. You know, sometimes when we, think about, uh, the old, uh, when we think about the last supper, maybe you, I don't know what you picture. Maybe you picture 12 guys and Jesus sitting on one side of the table together in Da Vinci style. Like, I don't know what that's about. It's like it wasn't a head table or something. I would imagine that they had some way of of talking to each other, and they weren't all just on one side of the table. We talk about Jesus washing the disciples' feet. We talk about communion and all of those things. But if you particularly read John's account, the Gospel of John, of what this was. And again, John spends the bulk of his book on this period of time. The first 12 chapters of the book of John are Jesus' ministry. And then the rest of the book, up through chapter 21, is all the week of, of his crucifixion and his resurrection. And so there's a lot of detail there. And, uh, and I want to read some scripture to you tonight and then we'll, and, and talk to you just a little bit. John 13, 33-38. Jesus is beginning to talk to the disciples about his departure. My children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you love one another as I have loved you. You must love one another, and by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Simon Peter asks him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, "'Where I am going, you cannot follow me now, but you will follow later.'" Peter asked, "'Lord, why can't I follow you now? I would lay down my life for you.'" Jesus answered, "'Will you really lay down your life? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times.'" This carries on into the next chapter. "'Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms.'" If that were not so, would I not have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. How can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip? Even after I've been among you for such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not say on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves." Now, I don't know what speaks to you in this passage, but what jumps out to me is, is just sensing a little bit of panic in the questions that they're answering and probably the lack of, of, of uh, answers that Jesus is giving them. It's a little bit like a child getting left at school or at daycare or, or something. I, I just imagine this parent-child separation. You know how that is. And, and you've got a kid objecting loudly to the separation and they're saying, where are you going? And you're, you can't go. And they're saying, well, why not? I'll be good. I promise I'll be good. You'll go later. No, but how do I get there? No, I'm your ticket. Jesus is saying all these things, and the boys are distraught, and they are confused, and they do not understand what is going on. Now, when I was uh, growing up in church, I didn't grow up in a church like this. I grew up in a traditional church where we had a lot of uh, pews, wooden pews, and hymn books. And uh, and we sang a lot of songs out of hymn books. And uh, a a lot of them, I love them dearly. They're still very meaningful to me. But they were written in a little different style for the time. So instead of a lot of first-person worship, the way we do here, they were a lot of descriptive songs. And they were songs that describe, you know, what people believed heaven was going to be. And and if you ever look at the way songs are written, they so reflect the day and the time. You know, um, this is a side note. But historically, when people were coming from England over to the Americas, they were on boats a lot. So that's when you have a lot of water songs, <laughs> you know, the waves and the winds and all of that stuff and, you know, all of those things, they, they refer to those things a lot. Well, I remember all of these songs about heaven. We called it glory land, right? I'll fly away, oh glory, I'll fly away, right? A mansion, you know, over, um, uh, was over the hilltops or something. Mansion over the hilltops. So, sometimes we talked about a gospel train. We were going to get get on board a gospel train that was going to take us hopefully to heaven, right? And I'm not making fun. I'm just saying that's, their, that's what they were talking about. I don't know. You're getting on a gospel airplane or something. I don't know. It's a whole different thing. But um, maybe the God of Beulah land. These are all references to, to heaven and this uh, uh, trying to imagine what this is. Well, that Peaks a child's imagination. And I wondered about what kind of house. I remember going to sleep at night wondering what kind of house Jesus was preparing for me. What does that mean? It's going to be a house with a lot of rooms. And I didn't really care about the rooms. I just wanted the right people in there. You know, was my family going to be there? And you know, all of those kind of things. And uh, what it really amounts to is Jesus preparing and providing for us. And he's saying right here that that's exactly what he's doing. I am preparing and providing. You guys, you know, get a handle on that. And it occurs to me that even as an adult, I have spent an inordinate amount of time asking God to prepare and provide for me. I spent a lot of time reminding him that that's his job. I really need you to prepare things for me, line things up that I need to happen and provide for me the things that I need. I have a laundry list of things that I'd really like to have straight. And so if you could work on this and this and this, and and I've learned that I have this list that's rotating. As soon as something gets off the top, everything just shuffles and moves up, right? And I add stuff at the bottom, right? And things just move up. I never run out of things that I want him to do or to provide for me. And a lot of times my prayers are just gimme, 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 gimme. Just give me, give me that stuff. Give me whatever that is. But here's the weird part. The disciples are not asking for a mansion. <laughs> it's almost as if they don't care. They don't even ask any questions about it. They don't say, oh, a house? You know, what colors are going to be? Are there going to be shutters? How many rooms are in it? Do I get my own bed? You know, all these, all these things. You know, nobody's asking that kind of stuff. Instead, Their concern is much more concrete and personal. I almost hear them say, who cares about the big house, Jesus? Don't leave us. Please don't leave us. Right? We want to be where you are. And if that's here, we're with you. And if it's there, we're coming. We're signed up. Just don't leave us behind. Do you have a left behind story? I bet you do. A lot of people do. And if you do, it's probably burned into your brain like trauma can be. Uh, One time when I was a child, my family uh, went camping with uh, my uh, cousins, we met at some state park somewhere, and we each had campers, and, and uh, we had spent the week or whatever, and there was, you know, the, the kids outnumbered the parents by a lot, and there were many of us, and, uh, and I remember that one evening in particular, the plan was that we were going into town at dusk because we were going to some outdoor drama. I don't know, if Daniel Boone or Simon Kenton or Tecumseh or something like that. I don't know, some, some early frontier kind of outdoor drama, and, uh, and somebody forgot to count heads. Because I was in the camper, and when I came out, now it's getting to be dusk, and I think I might have been about five or six. I don't know how old I was, but I think maybe about five or six years old. I was easily one of the youngest ones uh, that were on this trip, and uh, as I came out of the camper. I saw the other camper loaded up with all the kids in the back. I don't even know if you're allowed to do that anymore. But the adults had all squished in this pickup in the front. It was a little, you know, pickup camper. And all the kids were like sandwiched in the back. And nobody had counted. And, and I saw it leaving. I could see the taillights leaving. Now, in a state park, how fast can you go? 20, 20 mile an hour, right? You're, you're supposed to go slow. And usually you don't want to go much faster than that. Little children run out in front of you. Well, I am... I am booking it. You know what I mean? I think I ca- I'm going to catch them. I am running like I cannot. I am just like, I am so panicked. I have got to catch them. And I am just, I, I can't. And all the while, I'm thinking they're going to be gone for hours. They're going to be gone for hours. They'll be gone past dark. I am in this campground by myself. I don't care about the stupid play that we're going to. I just want to be with my people. I just, I just, I just want the presence of my family. I want them. I don't care if we stay. I don't care if we go. Just don't leave me behind. And I ran, and I, I don't know when they would have figured this out. I ran like crazy, followed them up to like the checkout little guard station, you know, at a state park where they, thank the Lord, had to stop. So my poor mother opens the car, the side door when I'm banging on it like this, all out of breath because I have raced up to catch it. And she was, I'll never forget the look on her face. And then every other child in the back of that camper got chewed out for leaving me. (laughs) Like it was their fault. They're like, whatever. You know, they aren't my kid. I, I mean, we, we have left behind stories. Nobody wants that, right? Are you kidding? You know, there's been books. There's been movies made about the whole rapture and the idea of being left behind. And I just get a sense of the, of, of the panic, the panic that the, the disciples have. Because it seems to me that the disciples get the main thing. I'm not diminishing what Jesus is preparing for us at all and all of that. I am just saying that that is the last thing on their list. Wasn't it Audio Adrenaline that came out with that song, you know, how many years ago there's a big, big house that he's preparing for me and all of that? They don't care about the big, big house. They don't care about that. They don't care about the mission. They don't care about his explanation. They don't care about the next location of the mission that they are on with Jesus. All they care about is being with him. All they care about is being in his presence. And Jesus tells them, he's preparing for them, and they never ask about it, they don't care. But his next statement says it all. If I go, I will come back and take you to be with me that, where, that you also may be where I am. I'm stumbling over this because I learned it in the King James Version, can you tell? All right, um, and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. Because you see, here's the deal. His provision for us is pointless without his presence. His provision for us is pointless without his presence. Everything that you're asking for, everything that you need fulfilled in your life, everything on your laundry list of stuff that you want Jesus to do for you, he can do all of those things for you. But if his presence doesn't come with it, it's pointless. It's absolutely pointless. His person is enough. His person is enough. Uh, we recently went to a vineyard conference. Uh, it was a leadership conference that uh, the pastor and I go to because of his role as a, an overseer of several other churches. And uh, at all vineyard conferences, there's ministry time, and it's usually powerful. And, and uh, often they invite people to come forward and to be prayed for. And, and sometimes it's very specific, and I didn't have anything to go forward that matched what they were saying up there. And so I just kind of stood uh, where I was, and, and this is also not uncommon at a Vineyard event, uh, that people come to you. <laughs> so I was just standing there and somebody zeroed in on me and came up and said, I just feel like I need to pray for you. And God's given me some words over you. And, and, uh, and, and what she told me was really, really powerful. And I, and I can't let loose of it. And she said, God is just telling me that he really enjoys spending time with you. He really likes it when you, when you sit and spend time with him. He looks forward to that. I cannot tell you how that has revolutionized my time with God. What, what You call it a quiet time, a devotional time. I don't know what you call it. You know, I've heard people say it's the least quiet time of my life, whatever. You know, what, whatever that, that, that time, when you block out everything else, it's not corporate worship. It's not driving down the road praying to God. It's not listening to podcasts. It is sitting... In his presence, undistracted, listening to him, talking to him, and I usually take a cup of coffee. And these days, I've kind of been imagining that he's drinking some coffee too. I don't know. There's just something about that. To think that, and and I find myself not wanting to skip because I'm like, you know, if somebody's meeting you for coffee, it's really rude to miss because then they're sitting at Purdy's by themselves. You know what I mean? And it's like, no, you know, if you've got a date with somebody, you make the date. And I find myself just wanting to be in his presence in that way. And I hear Jesus trying to explain to Thomas. He goes on to say, listen, you kind of are with me, Thomas. You know, the father and I are one. But for Thomas, this is a bait and switch. Thomas is like, whatever. We see you. You're our man. Who's this father guy? And then he says, but but if it's the father, show me him. That'll be enough. Because even Thomas is like, I just want to be in the presence of of who you've got for us. That's what I want. And if that's the only way to get to you, show us the guy. And Jesus is still saying, listen, I've been with you for three years. And in the presence of God, the Father, through the likeness of his Son on earth, and you haven't recognized it. And the next thing I began to think about is, how often have I really been sitting in the presence of God and missed it? I missed it. I'm looking for something else. I'm like, show me the Father. Show me something more impressive than this. What is it you're talking about? And he's like, listen, it's right here. It's been here the whole time. You need to engage. You need to engage in that. So I wonder... Where is it that we have missed the presence of the Father? We love the worship. We love the healings. We love the miracles. We're excited to see God answer prayer. But Jesus points out, believe me when I say, I am in the Father and the Father is in me. Or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. See, the works are not the point. The way that God answers our prayers and our laundry list is not the point. They are the evidence of his presence. So just as we talked about this morning, when we give to the poor, we are bringing his presence to them. When we call down healings, we invite the perfection of heaven to come down and to break into earth. And when God does that in a powerful way, it's easy to get hooked on on those miracles that we've seen, those miraculous signs that we have witnessed, and to kind of crave more and more of that, when really it's not the works. It's the evidence of his presence. That's what it's all about. His presence is all we need. Being in His presence is the comfort we seek. It's the direction we're looking for. It is the peace that we want so badly to drown out all of the cares of this world. So I'm going to give us some time tonight to just invite that. I don't know where you are, and I felt that as I was standing down there and getting ready to come up here, I felt like God was taking this a, a, a little bit different. I want to do something different um we usually have prayer team people that come up and they'll stand along the the way here and you can kind of come up and and get individual prayer for anything that you would like and uh and I do want to ask for that so if I can have a couple of prayer people I think there's enough of you here that can fill There's four people if I can get four I think that will work if you have anything going on in your life that you would want prayer for anything that I've been talking about I want you to come up just come to any of them. Maybe you need. Maybe you're struggling. You would like some healing. Maybe you've got some grief going on. I don't. I don't know what it is. But we want to pray over you for that because we believe in that. In the Vineyard, we believe that the that healing is not ended, and we've seen it. And we're going to continue to pray for that. But now I sense that there is also this this corporate kind of need, and so I, I'm gonna, I'm going to create a space right here, and for any of you who are like you know. I just want a greater sense of God's presence in my life. I want a greater sense of his presence in in my devotional time, in my time with him. Um, And and I just want to tap into that a little bit better. I want to be able to recognize that in a deep way. I want to pray over you corporately, okay? So uh, let's all come to our feet. They're getting ready. They're going to go into a song. And during this song is while we're going to do this ministry time. We're going to pray. And so if you're interested in individual prayers from anybody, come to anybody standing up here. If you're interested in what I was talking about, about just feeling the presence of God in a deeper way, come right here, and and I just want to pray over you as as a group.